Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your hosts, Bela Sebrow and Cindy Gross. Together, they are The Definitive Rap. with my new co-host, Cindy Gross, and welcome to the Definitive Wrap. We thank Vin News for hosting our show. Before I introduce our guest today, I want to present my new co-host, Cindy Gross, whom I have always loved and admired. Cindy Gross is an award-winning media personality, brand ambassador, and Jewish activist. For years, she has been backstage, front row, and on the red carpet, sharing exclusive interviews. Cindy started her career as a successful public relations and marketing specialist. She was featured as an under 30 person to watch by public relations and advertising specialists. Her columns appear regularly in the Times of Israel, Israel National News, Reactionary Times, and other outlets. She writes on a range of topics that are newsworthy and trendy. Cindy hosts the popular Cindy Celebrity Corner and Cindy's Political Corner and has co-hosted on WOR 710 AM. She has been featured as One America News Network, Real America's Voice, WABC 770 Radio, and on radio shows nationally on a regular basis. A former teacher, she has been a voice for minority students in failing public schools. In 2016, she helped write legislation on curriculum oversight. She is the author of Rubber Room Romance. She unsuccessfully ran as the first modern Orthodox Jewish woman for Congress in 2020. During the Trump administration, she was a Jewish advisor on the National Diversity Coalition for Trump. Cindy is also chair of Jewish Vote, one of the fastest growing grassroots groups today. Cindy, welcome aboard. Well, thank you for that introduction. I should correct you. It's Jewish Vote GOP. I am a proud Jewish Republican, and probably most of your audience knows me as one of the most outspoken uh, activists in the Republican Party for the Jewish voice, for, for the pro-Israel Zionist voice, and as a voice building coalitions for Jews in the Black community, Hispanic community, Asian communities, and, build, and bringing Jews to the forefront of the topics concerning American Jews. So thank you so much for having me on the show. And now I would like to introduce the charming Erica Shackley. Um, I have to tell you, I am honored. Uh, Erica is the editor of the National Magazine and in Jerusalem Weekend Supplement at the Jerusalem Post. Her passionate writing, particularly her tell it like it is social media posts, I love that, have garnered a devout following. A lover of true crime, fitness, and all things food and drink, she has been known to moonlight in Jerusalem videos, testing out brews at the beer festival and festive donuts on Hanukkah. (laughs) Erica, Erica, welcome to the Definitive Wrap. Thank you. Glad to be here. Um, 
tell us what is happening in Israel now with the economy as a result of Corona. I know that this is of great concern to Jews all over the world. With tourism drastically down, what is involved in Israel's financial road to recovery? Um, okay, well, there's some news today. They took away the designation of red country. So I think that's going to probably have a little bit of an impact as long as um, it stays like that. You can't really predict anything these days. But um, we've had a long road. I mean, it's almost two years. And um, in the beginning, they furloughed a lot of people. Um, they were getting, I think, 70% of their salary. So that's kind of put a strain um, on uh, like the taxes, the taxpayers or, you know, the system itself. And they're trying to figure out a way forward because, you know, some people like being on furlough and they, you know, don't have so much of an impetus to um, to go back to work. And I, another huge thing is, um, you know, of course, the lack of tourism. We miss all you guys. And like, um just on like a personal level, you know, I'm so used to having everyone here in Jerusalem all the time. And um, of course, the tour guides and the the hotels and um, tourism has really suffered. But Israelis are doing a lot of internal tourism. So that's kind of cool. Yeah, so um, they... We have that here in America, actually. Americans are traveling around our country more than ever before because they can't leave. So that's something that uh, Israel and America have in common as well. Yeah, I heard there was an RV shortage, um, right? Mm -hmm. Like people are just Yes, yes. Yeah, Yeah, I would love to do that myself, to be honest. Um, Yeah, so uh, one thing um, they did that we do think is... uh, that with all the lockdowns, at least we've managed to stay at a lockdown in this government with the new variant. And um, they, you know, there's some positive news for sure. Like it's start, we're starting to recover a little bit. And um, the problem though is human resources. Like, you know, I think that's also a problem in America now that um, right. people have decided they don't want to go back to their old job for, for a myriad of reasons. So, right. um, I mean, there's that, we're definitely having a way forward and uh, people will always come to Israel. And as soon as like we open the gates back open, like I think there's going to be a rush. And also um, Israelis just love to live life. So they're going out and they're like drinking, eating, buying clothes. And yeah, so I think we'll be okay. It's just um, making up. That's making up for the lack of tourism. Right. To some extent. And, uh, you know, um, everyone's doing the best they can. I guess economizing. (laughs) Some people did very well. Um, some people like uh, capitalized on COVID and uh, absolutely the their lives, and you know. <laughs> So you're a girl after my own heart. You are an outspoken political activist, but you're also a cultural uh, Mm -hmm. journalist. And those are the two areas I'm known for. So I have to tell you that I'm very interested in what's going on in the theater world and the movie world, because one thing I can tell you through COVID, one thing that has absolutely helped Israel is, is... are all the shows, whether or not you like them or not, but now Israeli stars are so internationally well-known. Tell us what's going on in the business, in the entertainment industry in Israel that we, as American Jews and to our international audience, what we should know. Um, I think uh, we're at like a little bit of a moment when there was scheduled to be a lot of things and now they're kind of like, pulling them back a little because of the variant. Um, hopefully they'll bring them back. You know, 
there in Jerusalem, like locally, there's theater, there's ballet, um, you know, all across the country, there's some great shows. Um, I can't say who the movie stars are that are the most popular. I guess Gal Gadot, I'm guessing, and Fauda, right? And um, Shira Haas. Shira Haas. Yes. Um, I did not love her unorthodox show. I, I couldn't even bear to watch it, to be honest. But um, but yeah, uh, Shiesel, of course, which must have been funny to see as an American. Must have been interesting. And um, yeah, so it's hard for me to say like what the what oh let me just tell you though what israelis are watching there's this show there's a show on youtube you can find it it's called kupa rashid like the main register have you heard of it um no. in a supermarket and it's hysterical because it's real that that has been my experience in the supermarket so that's the big trend and i'm sorry i can't tell you you know like i think americans um should just look out like for the shows that we're watching because probably there's going to be an adaptation soon by you so yeah. Yes, Only we do week. have a lot. We are copying a lot. And I know that everybody is looking forward. I think the Jerusalem, uh, the Beauty Queen of Jerusalem, a best-selling book. That's a movie with a lot of the stars actually from uh, Schitzel. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That is right. Um, so I we think we're looking forward Universe to that. Oh, okay, great. We just had the Miss Universe pageant here. so. <laughs> that's right. That made a lot of news. In fact, right. one of my friends who's a jeweler made international headlines because she gave, quote unquote, the mazel ring oh. to several of the contestants. So uh, I was very proud of my local friend here. So I hope she t- gave it to Miss India because she won. So gave her mazel, hopefully. Yeah. Yes. To several of the contestants. Yes. Right. Right. Erica. Um, the Kobe Mandel murder is something that will always haunt people. On May 8th, 2001, two Jewish teenagers, Kobe and his friend Yosef Ishran, were killed in a horrific manner. In response to his death, Kobe's parents set up the Kobe Mandel Foundation to provide support for families bereaved by the terrorist attacks. This foundation has done incredible work, and in fact, Americans are very involved with the foundation as well, and people close to my family have actually flown to Israel to do work for the foundation. What's intriguing is also that Sherry Mandel, Kobe's mother, has organized comedy shows to commemorate her son, and most recently, a play called Out of the Cave, Into the Light. Your magazine recently featured an article about this play. Can you please tell us about that? Sure. Um, it was very close to my heart, this story, because I remember very well, like on the New York Post, um, you know, reporting on Kobe Mandel, and I found it so sad, and I found his parents so inspirational. Like, when she first came out with the book that this play is based on the blessing of a broken heart, you know, her and her husband, Seth, came, and they did a reading in one of the local shuls on the Upper West Side, and I was admired them so much. Um, and I kind of almost, like, I feel influenced my Aliyah a bit, you know, to see that um, people are willing to sacrifice so much and go on and live in Israel, you know, I want to be a part of that. So, um, and yeah, over the years- What was that? When did you make Aliyah? uh, 12 years ago, actually, um, this past December. So yeah, (laughs) since 2000, end of 2009. Yeah. Um, So yeah, so I, and the book is amazing. It just talks about her her way forward. It's it's hard to read, but it's also very uplifting. And um, I recently, it's funny, I had Shabbat lunch with Sherry and, and Seth, and she is just, um, 
the most enjoyable person to be around. She copes, I think, with humor and she just laughs about everything. And that's really nice. So, so the play itself, it takes the book, the book and, and the story of her way forward after the big tragedy and um, even finding out about it. And I think it even incorporates humor um, which in a topic that is not so humorous. Um, so yeah, so it's the 20 year anniversary. So it's especially, you know, nice that they're coming out with it. Unfortunately, I just found out that um, it's being postponed, like the, the premiere because of COVID, but um, I'm gonna go to a dress rehearsal just to see it. And they're also gonna film it. So it's gonna, it's gonna come out. Um, I was very excited to see it. So yeah, I think it's an important moment, yeah. So well, can you tell us a little bit about the play? Are you allowed to share, you know, in terms of the actors and, um, you know, any uh, background? Yeah, it's, nice. it's a nice cast. And um, I believe the woman who helped write it or direct it also had a loss herself. So, um, so that, that influenced it. And I think it's coming out of the cave. Maybe it's like a drug. I, I can't say exactly what it's about, but it's a dramatized version of um, the journey. Like, cause he was killed in a cave. He was stoned to death, him and his friends. So she talks a lot about the cave in the book. Um, mm -hmm. And she also talks about birds, um, how she got symbolic um, messages from birds. So that'll, that probably will feature a little bit. Um, I recommend reading the book, but it's yeah. not a beach read, but um, <laughs> yeah. So um, it has a nice varied cast, you know, different ages. Yeah. So I have a question for you. As you said, of course, food is on, always on everybody's mind. And especially being stuck in the house, people are learning to cook and bake like never before. Oh, yeah. So the sourdough bread is very popular in America, especially in New York. Oh, yeah. The starter, yeah. <laughs> so the biggest trends in food right now are Middle Eastern foods. And we are seeing a lot of it in the, the States, uh, both kosher and non-kosher and building Hallel together with the Jewish trends. Tell us what you're seeing in Israel. Well, first of all, the food here is amazing, I got to say. Um, so it's always on the basis of like fresh fruits and vegetables and what's in season. One thing that I had to get used to was no blueberries all the time, stuff like that. But when the fruit is in season, right now strawberries are in season, then you'll see it incorporated into a lot of um, a lot of dishes. Like I remember at one point there was a mushroom festival because it was time for the mushroom. So um, there's always, uh, we just did a wrap, not too long ago, we did a roundup of hamburgers here in the Holy City. Um, that's, a that's a big thing. There's a lot of really good burger places. There's some great dairy places and vegetarian places. And I know you mentioned like before we got on that um, vegan gluten-free is a, is a big deal in America. So um, in, in Jerusalem, I think you can find places for that. And there's amazing dairy cafes, incredible salads, but I would say Tel Aviv is a bit more, is not, is a lot more, it's like a vegan capital. Um, what else can I tell you? Um, there's always just, they opened a restaurant in the Jerusalem theater. So people are enjoying that. Um, I, you know what, it's funny. It's, it's kind of like um, a fusion of old school food, you know, from everywhere with, um, I guess, sort of new stuff. So um, they, they have a chillant crawl in B'nai Brak that people like to go on or like in Geula that you taste the Yerushalmi Kogo, like secular people too. And um, that kind of thing. 
So yeah, so it's it's really incorporating all kinds of stuff. And you know, we do have, of course, the shakshuka that's so popular in America. That's kind of like um, a base a basic for us, you know. And I learned how to cook a really good one. But um, here you'll see it, let's say, with mozzarella cheese or like with like um, uh, pesto or something. That's not necessarily new, new, but um, and there's a bunch of chefs that are always opening restaurants. Um, you know, people go out a little bit less, I would say, because of COVID, but, um, you know, they want to eat as, as much as ever. So. so you are from Queens originally, and of course, Queens has a lot of Israelis right now and a <laughs> lot of great Israeli restaurants. Right. Do you ever come back to Queens and, uh, well, probably now you haven't been able to, but are there any Israeli restaurants you, you enjoy? Um, so uh, we always liked Hapiska. Um, and they, it's very, very good, but it's funny now that I, that I'm here and I see like, they give you the salatim in the beginning, let's say like you come and they give you like 20 little salatim and like a loaf of bread and rice and everything. So I expect that from the places that I go. So my mother always says, we go to this one place, Sidkiyahu, and it's like a factory of delicious food. You come in, there's like 20 salatim on the table, coleslaw, everything, lafa, you're just like, it's there like five minutes in. So she says, oh, they're a little skimpy in, in America with the salad. She got used to the Israeli way of doing things. But um, I do think it's, Happy Sky's always been very good. I remember when I was growing up, there was one Hatsam Meret. Um, and it's funny because in Hebrew, they both mean like the peak. So it's different ways of saying the same thing. Um, unfortunately, well, fortunately, my parents are making Aliyah. But sadly, they're, they're selling their house in Queens where I grew up. So... I don't know how much I'll be coming back, you know, uh, but I'll, I always have a special place in my heart for Main Street. So I'll probably well, hopefully you'll be coming back for the annual Jerusalem Post uh, conference. That's always in Midtown Manhattan. If they ever get this back, I was very yeah. fortunate to attend a couple of them. You've always oh, had trend setting headliners and entertainment um, in the fields of politics, business. I mean, the Jerusalem Post was always at the forefront of all this. Right, right. So yeah, I would love to come back and go to the conference and, you know, and see all of you there and, you know, go visit Queens and <laughs> my old stomping ground. So, so yeah. And I know the Jerusalem Post is working hard. We also have conferences here um, within Israel. So they're, del- they're going to deliver on the conferences. <laughs> what is upcoming for you? Um, on a personal level, on the Jerusalem. Well, start first with the professional, and then I have a couple of personal questions. Okay. Um, well, I just, I'm going to turn back a little bit to like October. Um, I was thrilled to be able to leave the country for the first time since Corona, since November, 2019. And I was sent um, to Thailand on a trip um, through the Thai board of tourism with some other Israelis from the media. So actually that was my latest article and it's like really a romp through Thailand, um, which I fell in love with. But um, so that was just me doing my travel thing in Phuket um, and uh, doing uh, like zip lining and eating my way through the country and all of that. Um, So I really miss doing that because I used to do that a lot through the Jerusalem Post. Like the last place I had gone was Georgia, the country, which I also fell in love with. You see a theme here? But um, so that I hope will be something that I continue to do, continue to travel, continue to leave the country. It's tempting to just stay in one place, but um, and stay in Jerusalem. It's like Manhattan. You never leave the island. But um, 
Yeah, that's coming up. And I think I've just been examining the really big issues that the country is facing. Um, we did a thing about Ethiopian Aliyah um, because there were still a lot of 10,000 Ethiopians waiting in Ethiopia. They were told they could make Aliyah and they've been waiting for years and years. So there was a lot of activism about that recently. Um, you know, internal like politics, internal um, army things. There was a scandal recently that I covered. <laughs> I wish we didn't have it, but um, maybe I, well, I feel bad even mentioning it, you know, because <laughs> it was, but um, in the prison system, um, they were pimping out um, Israeli female soldiers to like terrorists and it was a okay. real scandal. So we covered that too. So, you know, we get in there. Uh, so yeah. you're talking about um, politics now. So I do have two serious questions for you. Okay. Number one, we are taping this on January 6th. Five years ago, January 6th, I was in Washington, D.C., prepping for a very exciting inauguration. And I was in Israel and the United States for many historic events, including the embassy opening and uh, seeing Prime Minister Netanyahu on multiple occasions and a lot of other things. And the Trump Netanyahu relationship and the relationship between Israel and the United States was never stronger than the four years that they were together. And what are the thoughts of Israelis? And uh, I I know you represent a newspaper, you work for a newspaper. I don't know if you could talk on behalf of them or what you talk about personally, but what is the feeling what's going on? We have huge elections going on in 2022 in America. Um, toward toward uh, toward America. What's our feeling toward America? Or well, basically, with, with what's going on, with what's going on in the world, our relationship. You know, our relationship is not what it was. Right. Last, you know, a year uh, and a half ago at this time. I think it's very hard for any relationship to be what it was because um, it seemed like President Trump really wanted to be close to Israel in a way that I had not seen before. I'm speaking on a personal level. Uh, all of this, I would like, I would rather speak on a personal level rather than representing the newspaper because um, everyone has different views. And like, you know, that's part of the paper. We want to represent many different views. But Correct. in my case, so I, I did find that to be amazing, you know, the closeness and um so I do miss that a little, I got to admit. Um, but, uh, well, what we faced here in Israel was a bunch of elections, one after another, one after another. And the reason they were called was because um, we couldn't form a coalition. Um, and that was like uh, Netanyahu. Um, so I know he's an amazing diplomat um, and he's done so much for us and we're very grateful, but um, he got very focused on maintaining his own um position and also he was being put on trial for corruption so that it seemed like he was trying to divert attention from that so he kept like he's an amazing master strategist so he kept arranging it somehow so that suddenly the government would like disband and then there'd be a coalition crisis and then we'd suddenly have more elections and these are incredibly expensive especially during corona so and then i don't know if you heard about the protests here but um, it got very, very intense in front of the um, prime minister's house here in Jerusalem. And it was very tough on the people of Jerusalem because they'd be there day and night screaming at the prime minister. Um, there was a lot of strife. There was a lot of internal like um, feeling of strife, I think between people, like people arguing, you know, Bibi is the Melech, Bibi is the king and other people saying, no, we need a change. So 
um, when we finally got Bennett um, and his government, which drew from like all the different streams, um, you know, Arab, female, labor, this, that, except for Haredi, I guess, except for ultra-Orthodox, because um, it was hard to get them to join. But um, I think people are happy um, that there's less strife in the country. And um, yeah, like Bennett did have a visit with Biden. Um, it seemed fine. <laughs> Um, well, in the States, we saw Biden fall asleep as Bennett was talking to him. So uh, I don't think that's a reflection on Bennett. I think that's no, anybody who's ever heard Bennett, far, right? <laughs> anybody who's ever heard Bennett, and I've been lucky enough to uh, been, uh, meet him. So I know. Yeah, he did come um, a few years ago and speak to us at the Post and um, look, he doesn't, who has the same charisma as Bibi? Nobody as Netanyahu, but I thought he had some charisma and he's very well-spoken. Um, his English is perfect. You know, grew up in Renana, his parents. Um, so I think we're gonna, you know, we're trying to maintain a very good relationship as much as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, America is always like a great friend to Israel. And, uh, you know, the, we, the American- We have is, time for one more question. Sure. Okay, um, I read just yesterday on your Facebook page that with regard to Omicron, you feel that people are choosing to fear it rather than choose to deal with it scientifically. Right. What are you seeing in Israel regarding the response to this variant? Um, I mean, I really, think... as opposed to when COVID first started. Okay, I feel, I feel very strongly about this because I'm someone who likes to be out and the lockdown was incredibly difficult for me. The first lockdown I accepted with grace, I guess, and I embraced Netflix and wine <laughs> on my couch, but um, I had enough, you know, after the first. Yeah. And, um, we had very, very serious lockdowns in Israel, like meaning last winter, everything was closed, literally everything. Um, and it was very long and it was very hard. So that to me just um, epitomizes like, you know, what a lockdown is. And I'm always scared of going, I'm very afraid of, I don't fear COVID. I fear going back into a lockdown because mm -hmm. it's economic disaster and it's also mental disaster. Right. So I think the country now, um, I wouldn't say it's so much vax, anti-vax. I think most, I, first of all, anti-vax, I think some of the people that are against this vaccine got other vaccines. They're just worried about this one. But most right. of well, we have that in the US as well. We have the same situation. Right. Right, so I think mo most Israelis did get vaccinated and they're even doing the fourth booster now for people that are like above the, like a certain age or health workers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's fine. And like people, I personally, I debated a little whether to get it just because I felt like there wasn't enough research, but I got it and then I felt a little more protected. And, um, and suddenly we have this, this variant, that variant. Um, I was like, we have the hazelnut with vanilla variant. I just, I can't anymore. So yeah, it's a new variant out already in France. Yeah, there's yeah. France and there's bird flu. I I feel like there's a lot of um, hysteria, honestly. Um, so I think there's like two camps in Israel. There's not the vax, anti-vax. There are people who want to move on with our lives and right. say like, listen, at this point, you have to make a personal choice. Are you going to go outside and like, take it head on, or are you going to stay inside if you feel really at risk? But right. um, we, like, I, I shouldn't say we, but a lot of people, myself and other people feel that if you're that worried about your risk factors, then it's not upon us to stay inside. It's upon the, the, the pop, you know, the minor population can dictate what the major population does. So 
you know, I have a lot of sympathy for people, you know, we're still wearing masks on the bus, which I hate, but um, we're doing it to protect everybody and inside. Um, and then there's a whole other um, camp of people who are like, we can't overwhelm the hospitals and it's so contagious. And, um, you know, we gotta do everything we can, cancel this event, cancel that. And I say, but like, it seems as if a lot of people are not even getting it, or if they get it, they're getting like a flu. So what are we so afraid of? It's the winter, everyone's gonna get a cold, you know? So you can't live in fear. You have a greater chance of getting hit by a car in Israel. Right, right. But are you seeing, so are you seeing people uh, being more fearful or a little bit less fearful? What, what are you seeing? I mean, this has been going on now for two years. I see, I see both. I see like among most of, a lot of my friends were, you know, I feel like we were probably like-minded in a lot of different ways, but we're just like enough already, stop with the fear, get on with it, you know, like, and uh, we're not going to take stupid risks, but at the same time, it's like, what are we, we're going to like hide for the rest of our lives. And maybe we need to get it already if we haven't gotten it, because this seems like it's less um, powerful, less side effects. And then, you know, you get your antibodies or whatever. Um, and then you hopefully herd immunity, but then other people are like, don't overwhelm the hospitals, but I'm like, nobody's in the hospital. So tell me, I keep, I'm always like, tell me the science. I'm like, how old is everybody in the hospital? Like, tell me their age groups and tell me if they have concomitant factors. Like, did they have like- That's right, question? that's the answer. Compromising factors. Like, give me statistics and nobody can ever give me statistics. And they just right. like go back into the hysteria. So I feel like there's that. But one thing, as I said before, they have avoided a lockdown. I think the government realizes like the people have been pushed to the edge and economically, mentally, we can't handle it anymore. So. Um, people are being more careful um, about, I guess, meeting up with each other to some extent. But even though, like, you know, they still are very much meeting up. Israelis are very social and, you know, we just want to be with each other. And um, but I, a lot of events have been canceled. And I, that's a bummer. It's a real bummer. I guess it's smart because as someone pointed out to me on Facebook, it's not a great idea to have everyone suffering from the flu at the same time in the country. A lot of grumpy people, I guess. I don't know. The flu can be very difficult, but um, yeah. So I think I think that's what's going on. And my fear is that we're gonna we're gonna have variants now. Who knows for the rest of our lives? Who knows? And are we gonna shelter ourselves from every variant? Like, are we gonna just run our lives in fear, or are we gonna say we gotta move on? And you know, we've reached a certain point in the pandemic, and we gotta, you know, I guess trust the vaccine or make the vaccine better or find alternate routes and like. Yeah. You know, and, you know, everyone takes their health into their own hands. So, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're, we're out of time. Okay. I just talked and talked about that. Oh, I know. I know. About it. We have so yeah. much to discuss, but, uh, you know, I wish we had more time and yeah. I, I invite you to join us at a future date. Um, sure. On behalf of Cindy and myself, thank you, Erica, for joining us today. It was an absolute honor and very enjoyable. Thank you to vinews.com for hosting our show. And thank you always to our dear audience for tuning in. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your hosts, Bela Sebro and Alan Skorsky. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can listen to The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap. Thank you.